Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. So I want to look a little more closely at a couple of things regarding healing, and I guess I'll start here. Last week, the title was Christ, Our Healer. We started by looking at the fact that God identified himself as Jehovah Rapha to the children of Israel after the Exodus. Remember what that means? I am the Lord who heals you. Uh, or God heals. That's Jehovah Rapha. And how Jesus said he only did what he saw his Father in heaven doing. In other words, healing isn't just something that God does. It's part of who he is. And Jesus didn't just heal to demonstrate that he was the Messiah. He did it because he was doing what God the Father does. He was healing people because that's what God does. That is God's response to sickness and disease. It is to heal. And Jesus showed us that. That's one of the most important, if not the most important, cases to be made for divine healing is the ministry of Jesus. He is our example. And we look at what he did, how he responded to questions, how he responded to circumstances, how he responded to needs. And then when he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the express image of God, and therefore his ministry was the express image of God's will, the express definition and demonstration of God's will. All right. So because God is Jehovah Rapha and Jesus is God the Son, and because we are in Christ, Christ is our healer. Today, I want to start by looking at a statement, and this will sort of be the framework of the message today. This is the main point. It's a statement that Jesus made to a woman in Matthew 15. And you can turn there uh, to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, beginning in verse 21. Matthew 15, 21. And we read, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now there's a similar account of this, same episode in Mark chapter 7. Interesting note here that's worth filing away for future reference. The woman declared that her daughter was demon-possessed. Now we know that another aspect, important aspect of Jesus' ministry was casting out devils. He had a deliverance ministry, didn't he? But it says here that her daughter was healed. 
doesn't say the demon went out of her or that she was delivered, that she was healed. What's, what do we take away from this? Because uh, we, we don't see Jesus speaking to the demon, casting the demon out. He just spoke to the mother, telling her it was done, and what was the result? She was healed. This is not the point I'm going to focus on today, but I just want to point it out. Uh, remember, that demonic possession or oppression can take the form of physical sickness. I do not subscribe to the notion that every sickness and every disease is a manifestation of demonic activity. You understand? Now, I do believe sickness is in the world ultimately as a result of Adam and Eve believing the lie of Satan in the garden. When sin entered the world, everything began to deteriorate. But germs are real. Diseases are real. Sickness is real. It's not always a, oh, you've got the, the, the COVID demon or the cold demon or the cancer demon. It's not, that's not the way it is. Now, in this case, the mother uh, knew that the daughter was demon-possessed, but the way this possession was manifesting itself was in physical sickness. And so when Jesus declared her healed, that means the demon that was behind that sickness had to leave. And the end result is the same. Okay? Uh, just, and, and there are many, uh, this is getting, you know, in, in, uh, it gets a lot more press in today's society. And I think in, 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 in most ways it's very, very good that we're starting to recognize mental illness. Uh, and I think uh, Christians, and you know, charismatic Christians in particular, were probably a little slower uh, to admit there is such a thing as mental illness, because if you've got a mental problem, well, that's a demon. They ain't nothing but sin and rebellion and, and, and demonic activity. Mental illness is real. Your, your brain is an organ, and it can have a disease in it like your kidneys can or like your liver can, okay? It's a little scarier sometimes. But Christ is our healer. He healed, Jesus healed them all. Okay? And I'm not sure sometimes. Now, I'm getting a little off track here, and I've told this story before, so I'm going to try to tell it quickly. It's, it's a short story anyway. Kenneth Hagin tells the story of when he was praying for people in a healing line, and he's just praying for people to be healed, to be healed, to be healed, and somebody was up there complaining of a severe headache, and he's just getting ready to lay hands on him and say, be healed, and all of a sudden his spiritual eyes were opened, and he could see in the spirit realm an ugly monkey-looking thing sitting on this guy's shoulder squeezing his head. And so he just spoke to that, that demonic entity and told him, be gone in Jesus' name. And so I, I believe the gift of discerning of spirits is often present, often there for us to identify what is the cause behind this sickness. But even if we don't know, I don't think we need to worry about it too much. If we need to know there's a demon behind a sickness that we're getting ready to pray for somebody for and about, that God will reveal that to us. Meanwhile... All Jesus said here was, great is your faith. You have what you wanted. You have what you desire. And she was healed that very hour. He didn't say, okay, you talked me into it, but there's more than healing involved here. I have to go in and cast this demon out. Okay? I don't think we need to overcomplicate everything. Anyway, what I really wanted us to see here is this. Jesus called what he did for this little girl the children's bread. Now, when he calls her a dog, <laughs> this is actually in the same sense as a family pet, for all the difference that makes, okay? <laughs> what he's saying here is that no responsible father 
is going to take food out of the mouths of his children to feed the dog. Now, I know some of you have pets you're very fond of. We do, too. We have pets that I'm fond of and pets that I'm not fond of. Some of you consider your pets members of the family. And some people really dig into the question, do animals go to heaven? I believe, well, clearly, I believe there are animals in heaven. We see one animal, you know, I don't think there's, we're going to have this uh, carnivorous relationship with animals in heaven, okay? Uh, but... You know, if we can uh, lie down next to the lion and the serpent or everything else, or the scorpion, you know, this, this, they're just not going to bother us there. But the main thing is, is my dog going to be in heaven? Is your dog or your cat going to be in heaven? And I think Scripture bears out that dogs go to heaven and cats stay behind. But I can't back that. No, I'm kidding. I actually, I have a great cat. Uh, now, is your pet going to be in heaven? What's that? Yeah, I know. That's right. Uh... Bad, but do bad dogs go to heaven? If all dogs go to heaven, yeah. See, that's the error. Just some people think all people go to heaven, and we know that's not true either. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. Here's the thing. The issue is we are in error if we consider dogs or any other animal to be equal to people in terms of their value before God. I hope that doesn't offend anybody in here, but th that's clear from Scripture. Jesus said, God feeds the birds abundantly, so abundantly that they never have to worry about what they're going to eat tomorrow, and says, don't you think God cares more about you than the birds? If he takes care of the birds, he'll take care of you. That's in Matthew 6. In Matthew 10, he says, you're worth more than many sparrows. Wow. Wow. Think you're worthless? Let me tell you, you are at least worth more than many sparrows. Anyway, again, Jesus is not saying dogs are worthless, and he's not saying that this woman and her daughter are worthless. He's also not saying this. I'll share, I'm going to take one more rabbit trail, and hopefully I'll stay on track here. I heard this heresy recently, and maybe you've heard it, maybe you've read it somewhere else. Uh, the person that was sharing this in the podcast I was listening to told exactly who recently said this, but then he says, but you will find that this is a very common uh, message these days. Talking about this passage, there is a teaching that says, and, and this won't be hard for you to believe, whether you've heard it or not, that the main point of this passage is that it was Jesus who was healed in this passage healed of his racism because this was a Syrophoenician woman she wasn't a Jew and he was so rude not to be mean not because he wasn't loving but because he had such a narrow view of the world that he considered this girl and her mom this or this woman and her daughter dogs but because she was so patient and so persistent God used this woman to open Jesus eyes and broaden his heart so that he could actually see them as human beings. It's nonsense. 
Jesus wasn't being insulting here. He, he qualified what that, that dog statement. It has come off a little harsh there. But you have to understand a couple things. One, he is pulling faith out of this woman. This was calculated on his part. Second was exactly what he said. He was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. There's a message there. God's people were the ones that Jesus was sent to minister to. It's true today, except guess who the true Israel of God is? Who is the, the spiritual seed of Abraham? That's us. All the promises that God made his people are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's who Jesus ministers healing to. Does it mean he can't heal anybody else? Does it mean he won't use you to heal somebody else? Often it's a great way to get somebody's attention. But it's different when it belongs to you. He didn't say, all right, come on, you're part of the tribe now. He said, you can have some of the children's bread. Here's the thing. He's saying something about those that are already his. He's saying that when it comes to the children of the covenant, healing is not a special favor. It is something that they have coming to them. I was talking uh, to a woman just a couple of years ago who has a counseling ministry, and she works with troubled kids sometimes. And she said, she'd done her research, and uh, of course, there are things when it comes to rules in the households and rules between, uh, and I'm talking rules as in laws, uh, about how we parent. There's obviously, there's a list of things you can't do legally as a parent, but there are, here's, this, here's what you owe, your, here's what you are required as a parent to provide your children. Ready? It's a place to live, a mattress to sleep on, and one meal a day. And what, one change of clothes? I think one change of clothes. I mean, you know, two sets of clothes. So one, another set to change into. That's what's required. Now, most of us who are parents do much, much more for our children. And we should. But everything else, legally speaking, is gravy. The point is, that that one meal a day, this is, this is the only connection I make here, that one meal a day is not a favor that parents do for their children. From the legal standpoint, that meal belongs to the children. And Jesus is saying here that healing belongs to the children of Israel, the children of the covenant, and that's us. Very famously... There's a passage you've all, most of you have heard dozens, if not hundreds, perhaps thousands of times, but I'm going to read it. It's powerful. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 3. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. 
Now I'm going to read part of that from the New American Standard Bible. And word for word, this is a better translation. In verse 3 it says, He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness, and like one from whom the people hide their faces. He was despised and we had no regard for him. Verse 4, However, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Now, this is probably, in all of the Old Testament, this passage here, uh, from about halfway through Isaiah 52, uh, through part of uh, Isaiah 54, the most clear messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. This is talking about the suffering servant, the Messiah, the deliverer. And once you have seen the ministry of Jesus, once you've read the New Testament and you go back and you read Isaiah 53, you can't miss Jesus in this passage. And I've often wondered, and I know I shared this, I've shared this too, but I read just a little bit more about it uh, yesterday. But I've, uh, there's... Uh, I've often wondered, what do the Jews do with this passage? If this isn't the Messiah, and if this isn't talking about Jesus, who do they say it's talking about and what does it mean? Uh, and I remember being so blown away when Felucia came into my office. Felucia Oyurokun, many of you remember him, came into my office with a, what was essentially a Jewish one-year Bible. I don't know how many of you... Have any of you gone through the one-year Bible where you just read, it has the reading sort of scheduled for you day by day, usually something out of the Old Testament, something out of Psalms and Proverbs, and something out of the New Testament, and then by the time, if you just read everything they assign you, by the end of the year, you've read it. And, and, and they've got many different versions of these, and many of them come with a devotional commentary, and this one did. This was the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, essentially, Divided up into daily readings for a year with, com with commentary. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Felucio bursts into my office one day saying, I got my hands on this, and I looked for, I just couldn't wait to see what the commentary was on Isaiah 53. Let me show you what it says. And he starts turning the pages, and they skip it. They left it out on purpose. And then I read an article yesterday uh, a, a, from a Jewish organization that says there's been so much controversy when we, because we read through this every, you know, systematically. We read through the entire book, uh, or I don't know if it's every year, but it says we, when, when we do the public readings, we don't read this. Because it's just too hard to explain. Now, you dig, and, and, and there's a couple paragraph article, and I'm sure there's deeper stuff where they do try to explain it. Usually, what they try to do is say that this is Israel itself. It's not talking about a future Messiah. It's talking about the suffering that Israel did in captivity and how God is bringing them out. But there are, so, there are way too many specifics that exactly match up with the life of Jesus. Right? You go back and read that whole passage. It's absolutely amazing. And then they're right there in the heart of it. By his stripes we were healed. He carried our sickness and our pain. 
just as it wasn't his sin that he carried, it wasn't his sickness that he carried. It was ours. Right? And look at this. How many of you know that you are spirit, soul, and body? And it says here that he... Read this again. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. What does that mean? It was your sin and my sin that bruised him and wounded him. He was wounded, he was bruised because we sinned. He carried our sin to the cross. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. In other words, to purchase peace for us, he paid the price. That punishment, all the whole work of the cross was for our spiritual uh, regeneration, our spiritual resurrection because he bore our iniquities. He also was chastised to purchase our peace. That's the soul. And by his stripes, we were healed. That's the body. Jesus' mission was not purely spiritual. And I'm going to nail this down here. In Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 16, because there are some who say, uh, especially if you read, you know, Peter quotes, I, I didn't get this one uh, down here, but you know, so 1 Peter 2.24 is where Peter quotes, by his stripes you were healed. But it looks like in his context, he's talking about spiritual stuff. And people will say, well, yes, Isaiah said that. And yes, Isaiah was clearly writing about Jesus. But that's about spiritual healing. Is it? Look at Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. What did Jesus do to fulfill the words of Isaiah? He healed the sick. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Luke 13, 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus has, he had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered, <laughs> answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, 
And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Once again, this wasn't Jesus saying, I can do whatever I want, I'm the Son of God. Whether, the, and it's hard to take these religious leaders seriously. Oh, there are six days, come and be healed on one of them. Like they were willing to lay their hands on the sick. They want to get legalistic about this. And Jesus, when he got his back up, it wasn't, don't tell me what to do. He's saying, this woman has it coming. This daughter of Abraham, you take better care of your, your uh, animals, your, your donkeys, your oxen. You're not going to let them starve on the Sabbath. But this woman has a what? A covenant right to healing. This is her bread. You're going to water your donkeys. I'm going to feed this woman her healing bread because it's hers. You want her to go one more day after 18 years of suffering this way. And again, it's not this, I happen to be here, so I guess I'll heal her. Built right into the language there is this belongs to her. One of my favorite passages, as most of you well know, Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. One or two more thoughts, and I'm through. How many of you can quote still? I grew up saying it. How many of you can say the Lord's Prayer from memory? We call it the Lord's Prayer. It should really be called the model prayer. At least begin it with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the next phrase? Give us this day our daily bread. I got to sit in uh, with uh, Merle and Barb's small group Wednesday night. We had a really good time. And we were looking at the ministry of Elijah and specifically, Wednesday night, we were looking at the time he spent with the widow of Zarephath, who God appointed to provide for Elijah during this drought. First, he sends Elijah to live by the brook uh, Cherith, Cherith, whatever it was, uh, and said, I'm going to, you can sit, you can camp out there and you can drink from the brook, and I'll send ravens with food. And so the ravens would bring him meat in the morning, meat at night, and he would drink from the brook until the brook dried up because there was a drought. <laughs> and when the brook dried up, he says, go to this house in Zarephath, and I, I have appointed, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. And so we looked at a number of really interesting details about that story, but most of you know it. He goes, knocks on the door, and uh, says, can you fetch me a cup of water? And sure, she turns around to go get it. And I just, I don't know, something kind of funny because it's something so casual about it. Oh, and while you're doing that, can you make me a little cake of bread uh, and, and bring it to me to eat? 
And she turns around and says, look, all I've got is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I was just getting ready to make a little bit of bread and eat it, share it with my son, and then we'll die because that's all we have. And Elijah goes, that's fine. Just feed me first. <laughs> but he doesn't leave it there, does he? He gives her a promise. You step out in faith. You make me this little cake of bread first. Then you and your son eat, and that flour and that oil will not run out. And it didn't. For possibly, what did they say? Anybody remember two years? Could have been two years that he lived with this woman. Or longer. We don't know. But it wasn't just a day. He didn't just stop by. He stayed there for a while. And here's what's, you know, Elisha later on, we see a miracle where this woman fills up all these jugs with oil and everything. But Elijah, it's every day the flour was replenished, the oil was replenished. She had to live by faith every day. Now, what do we want? This is what I said during the offering. When we pray for provision, we want the lump sum. Just give me enough flour and oil so that I don't have to think about flour and oil for another year. Because living by faith is hard. I still believe, I know prosperity has almost become a dirty word in evangelical circles because it's been, the prosperity doctrine has been so loosely handled, I'll put it kindly. I think it's been abused. But I still believe Scripture is clear that God desires to prosper us. And yet, I don't think it's his will for most of us to have millions of dollars, easy access to millions of dollars, for a couple reasons. One is, it's very difficult to live by faith with that kind of cushion. It's one thing to say, oh, God supplies all my needs in the back of your mind thinking, well, God and my $10 million trust fund or whatever it is, when you don't have to worry about it. And again, the only way you know, man, if you get a lump sum like that and the next day God says, I need you to give every penny of that to Living Word Family Church or to Neil and Danette Childs or something like that. But wait a second. Did I bless you with it? Yes. So it's mine, right? Yes. You're going to do it? Are you going to trust me? Well, how about I give a tenth of it? What did I say? If we can't obey him in those things, then we've got no business with, with that kind of blessing. And frankly, most of us can't manage it. We want to challenge God and say, just try me, don't we? But what does the prayer say? Give us this day our daily bread which indicates to me that this prayer is a model for how we should pray at least, let me do the math here, once a day. Now, to me, Jesus calling healing the children's bread and all these other indications that he clearly felt it was what the, you know, the people he was ministering to, he was delivering them something. He was performing these miracles, manifesting God's will in their life because it essentially belonged to them as the covenant people of Israel. If we are going to treat healing or view healing as the children's bread, which we should, 
we should see it as daily bread. Meaning, I don't think it's wise to only speak healing over our bodies when we are sick. That's why when I rattled off that confession last week, it's because I say it mostly every day. And the reason I brought it up is because I caught myself having not said it for many days. This should be our daily healing confession is how we partake of the children's bread of healing. We speak it over ourselves. I like what Charles Capps says, and, and you can get a copy still. You can probably find it on Amazon or many other places. His, uh, what's that called? Uh, the little collect, huh? Four dollars on Amazon, but does it have all three? The healing, the provision, and uh, what? Yeah, anyway, God's creative power. God's creative power for healing, and it's just a little booklet full uh, number one, just, it's tons of scriptures, but also just confessions that are built around these scriptures. And in, in, one of the, in the intro to, to one version of it, he says, the nice thing about God's medicine is you can't overdose on it. But, but speaking of that, of medicine, we don't hesitate. We don't argue with the doctor. I may have mentioned this last week. If he gives you a prescription and says, here's what's wrong with you. You need to take two of these a day. Take one every 12 hours, every eight hours. Take one a day. And sometimes it's until this condition clears up. Sometimes it's for the rest of your life. This is your prescription. And we don't think anything about it. We write it in schedules. We put it in special boxes. We set reminders. Take your pill. Take your pill. Take your, drink your medicine, whatever it is. Is it outrageous to think that it would do us some good to speak God's very word concerning healing and health over our bodies. Take that medicine daily. No side effects, no negative side effects. No ODing. At this time, to tell you what, praise and worship team, why don't you come on up and ushers, we can go fetch that K-3 class and bring them in here. We are going to take communion now. And uh, so let me ask this first of all, before I forget, does everybody who desires to receive from the Lord's table have the elements? Raise your hand if you need those. We'll, we'll get those to you. At Living Word, we observe open communion, meaning you don't need to be a member of Living Word, but we do believe that this is an ordinance that is absolutely reserved for those who have made a confession of faith. You guys want to stand up for a second? You can uh, stretch it out. We're, we're not going to be long about this, but why don't you go ahead, if you feel like it, you don't have to, but if you want to stand for a second and shake it out. Uh, but this is, this is something, and it's something very powerful. We are going to tie healing to our taking communion today, and I'll explain that in just a little bit. But uh, first I want to say that the healing... Well, well, let me go ahead and say this. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, 
And you could read in the Gospels, and then you could read in Corinthians, which is where we're going to read it from, when Paul shares what the Lord delivered unto him. He said this, he gave the bread, he broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Most translations in the Corinthians says, this is my body, which is broken for you. But it doesn't matter, because he breaks the bread and says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This takes the cup. This is a new covenant in my blood. What? This is so significant, and it kind of brings things full circle back to Isaiah 53. What Jesus was about was not 100% spiritual. In the sense... That And it's interesting that this is written to the Corinthians because they fell into this uh, nonsense and they weren't the only ones, but they believed for some time that what they did with their physical bodies really didn't matter because salvation was a purely spiritual experience. Therefore, it was impossible, in a sense, in their warped heretical minds, <laughs> to commit sin with the body. Because the body, it's just going to perish. Jesus, our salvation has nothing to do with our bodies. But it does. And that's why Jesus made such a big deal of the bread. Because salvation is for our bodies too. You know your body is going to heaven? Did you know that? No, 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 no. We get, we, we get a new body in heaven. No, you don't. You get a renewed body in heaven. Your body is not exchanged, it's changed. Now, we, we still live, even redeemed people, we still live in mortal bodies. And this flesh is decaying. But we've been promised an allotment of years on this earth. And until that appointed time, because it's appointed unto man to die once, I intend to live in the good health that Jesus purchased for me with those stripes on his back. So let me read this. Oh no, first let me do this. Yeah, because we're going to take communion and we're going to we are going to eat this bread as a celebration and as an act of physically receiving healing for our bodies. But this is for the believer. So first things first. If you're not a believer, if you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, will you do that right now? I won't even make it come up here if you don't want, but you do have to raise your hand and say, I need to make that decision today. I desire to be born again. I want in on this. I want to be a Christian. I declare right now that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior if you've never done that before. Anybody? Okay, so now we can prepare to receive. And we read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner... 
He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Remember that he was instituting and announcing the new covenant. And I always loved, I can't remember who the first person I heard say this was, but it was somebody down at Ramah who said, the new covenant is, a new co- is better than the old covenant in the way that a $10 bill is better than a $5 bill. Not because it's something completely different, but because it has the five plus more. The new covenant doesn't do away with the good promises God made in the Old Testament. It just changes the way we have access to those things. The way we had access to all the promises of God, which included healing in the Old Testament, used to be through keeping the law. And then it was kind of like, surprise, nobody can keep the law. And then Jesus comes along and keeps the law perfectly and says, when you're in me, the law is fulfilled. And everything that's promised to the person who keeps the law is yours if you're in Christ. And I love how he nails it down with those stripes And by saying, I'm not just some apparition. I'm not here just sharing a spiritual word. I am here. This is my body, which is broken for you. These wounds, they're for your healing. This is how I'm bearing your sickness, your diseases, your pains. Now we look No Christian, no genuine Christian, no doctrinally correct Christian across the board denominationally is going to say, well, Jesus, yes, he he shed his blood, and yes, he bore our iniquities, but there's still more work needs to be done before we're truly forgiven. No. Most Christians basically have an understanding of what Jesus meant when he said it's finished. I've carried your sins. I've canceled that debt. I've left your sins nailed to the cross. And I'm here to tell you he left your sicknesses nailed there too. This is my body which is broken for you. Just as surely, same passages. Just as surely as I bore your sin, I bore your sickness. Now what I'm going to encourage you to do, you don't have to do it. This is for you wherever you are. If you are standing, instead of having a prayer line, uh, but if, there, if it's like, oh, I came here, I know you were, you were uh, praying for the sick, I know we're doing a healing message, I wasn't sick last week, I'm fighting something this week, I need a miracle from God, still come up here. Just as a way, as an exercise of your faith, come up. We're all going to take communion together. I just want you up here with me saying when I take this bread... I am eating my healing. I am eating my children's bread and receiving healing in my body. Anybody want to come up here for that? You can receive your healing where you're at. But I encourage you to come up here if you need a manifestation of God's healing power in your body right now. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember, 
to live the gospel and preach the gospel.